Hey there, beautiful souls. Welcome to Beyond the Surface, where the saying to be seen is to be understood comes to life. I want to begin by first honouring the traditional custodians of the land we live and work on. I live and work on Gundungurra land and acknowledge the traditional landowners of my guests near and far. I pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging for they hold the memories, the traditions and cultures of our First Nations peoples. The land below my feet is, was and always will be Aboriginal land. I am no stranger to the profound journey of pain, grief, anger and heartbreak that often accompanies the loss of church, community, faith and the unwinding of our core beliefs. In the midst of this labyrinth, I found healing in the stories shared by others who have walked a similar path. Each tale, unique in its own right, weaves an invisible thread of connection, uniting us through the tapestry of religious trauma and healing. Here, in the warmth of these digital walls, I want you to feel at home. This is a haven where your memories are not just acknowledged, but deeply seen and believed. So kick back, relax, and let's embark on a journey where your story is not just heard, but embraced. Welcome to a community where storytelling is a powerful force. This is Beyond the Surface. Welcome, Fiona. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm so excited. We quickly just like started to talk and I needed to hit record because (laughs) otherwise we were going to get too much good stuff not recorded. Um, So you are obviously here to chat about um, your journey through the church and out of the church. I tend to say loving and leaving the church synonymously Um, Because I tend to think that people who were like really hardcore into church or into their faith tend to have a really hardcore out of church experience and it's really heavy. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And that's also a very nice way of putting it. Like uh, your, my journey. Um, I was thinking as you were saying that, I was like, you mean my trauma? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think like in the um in the little bio that I sort of wrote about this podcast when I was reaching out to people, I was like, it's essentially those invisible threads that connected us all, which of like religious trauma, mm-hmm. essentially. It's you know, it's the club that nobody ever wanted to be a part of that we didn't <laughs> sign up for. Yeah. Um, it shows us. It's yeah. Different. Yeah. Um so you mentioned you um, did you grow up in a Pentecostal church or like was your family religious? Yeah. yeah. So I'm like the oldest of like five kids. My parents met in church and we have pretty much always been in some sort of Pentecostal church. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that that was like normal church. Yeah. And it is for a lot of people, but yeah, I had no clue about other types of um even just Christianity yeah so all the like um running around the building and speaking in tongues and arms raised and crying and everything um 
like spiritual laughter and stuff it's all like oh yeah that just that just means you have more of god um <laughs> just your typical sunday just a normal sunday but yeah. you know probably your friends at school won't understand so don't bother telling them about it <laughs> oh it's um it's we <laughs> Fiona's using the word normal because I sort of off camera described um, when I went to a Pentecostal church similar to the one that she was a part of, um, I was like, it was like another universe for me having sort of come from a conservative um, background. Well, yeah, I guess a relatively conservative church where, you know, you didn't raise your hands in worship because that was making it about you. Um, Yeah, it was. And, and people like, I, I remember when I sort of started branching out into, I guess, bigger, um, like mega church, particularly like modern music, things like that. Um, and you would very much sort of like get, shunned stared at if you did anything that was not just standing arms by your side singing (laughs) facing the front do not move at all um so I I can imagine that for people who have not been in that that it would it would just be normal that you know all of that sort of charismatic um aspects to church was just your normal Sunday yeah and it's so weird that it was like having not being a part of that church anymore or any church of that denomination um you you, as a 31 year old you look around you realize so you mean the rest of the world and even the rest of Christianity thinks this is weird like this it is weird why and it's just weird that I think it was normal and Mm. it's weird that I think it's weird now because I mean it just goes to show when you raise when you're brought up Mm. um, like as a child you don't have a choice like you don't get to choose what what is your normal or what you want to believe um you, you are just shaped by those decisions of like the people around you Mm. Um, and I think one of the hardest things for me to um uh I guess there's just been like points of grief along Mm -hmm. the way because I haven't had a particularly traumatic childhood like I was never physically abused or anything but um one of the like yeah points of grief is realizing that so much of my childhood didn't have like uh consent or or being raised to have the ability to have informed consent to know what I was saying yes to at all it Mm. was just like well it's this or hell so Mm. um what do you want to choose eight-year-old like of course it's going to be whatever you tell me isn't hell yeah Um, of course yeah fear (laughs) yeah and 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 thinking to myself as a child like oh this is obviously the right decision and mm. I feel so sorry for everybody else that wasn't raised this way because they have no idea the truth mm-hmm. they're missing out and they have yep. no idea that they're gonna go to hell yeah and I'm like 
that's super that's literally child abuse yeah yeah Uh, whenever it's like obviously uh, you know I've done stacks of trauma training and you know you they talk about you know different things that can cause childhood trauma and you know physical abuse you know neglect like you name it there it's it's on there like um and not a single trauma training that I have ever attended has said religious indoctrination as possible form of of causing childhood trauma and it's like oh we're so missing the mark like it's like that sort of like you're so close so close but so far like because you can slap the word religion on it yeah like out of bounds for prosecution or the law yeah I mean, I, like, I did not grow, my family are not religious. I, um, I'm like, I chose to get on this roller coaster at some point. (laughs) I, um, I did not, this did not fall into my lap. Um, and, and I remember, um, I remember when I sort of was a bit older and my mum was like, well, she wasn't doing drugs. So I figured it wasn't too bad. And I'm like, it it does tend to be that alternative, you know, kids and teenagers go to youth group and and things like that. And it's like, oh, well, they're not going out partying or drinking or doing drugs or sleeping around or being violent. And it's like, totally no, but. (laughs) But there's another bad thing happening. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Way less obvious. Yeah. It's just much more passive, much more insidious. And most of the time you have absolutely no realisation of it until you're out. Yeah. Like so much falls into place once you're out because you're suddenly seeing things from a completely different perspective. Yeah. Um, Yanya Lalich has a great uh, analogy of um, like when, when one uncomfortable thing happens, uh, you 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 understand it, but then you can sweep it under the rug and you mm. kind of store it on the shelf. And then another thing happens and it's not that big of a deal. So you put it on the shelf and then eventually there's one thing, you go to put it on the shelf and the shelf breaks. Yeah. And I, when I heard that for the first time, I was like, that is exactly it. We, it's, nothing's ever that bad. Mm. But when you've made your whole life centered around this thing that's just full of decisions that are not that bad, mm-hmm. um, one day the shelf's going to break and it did for me and my whole world fell apart. And it's like, uh, oh, I don't know where I was going with that, but what you were saying, it just kind of made me yeah, remember that. Like, yeah, it doesn't, it, I don't know. What were you saying? I was, I was saying that you don't tend to notice it until you're out. Yeah. And it is a really great analogy for that because yeah. you, uh, I often find that, um, you know, in the clients that I've worked with and in other, you know, friends that have left the church, you make excuses essentially. Really? That's really what you're doing. You, yeah. You're making excuses um, and, often you know they're rooted in I guess the essence of yeah but they mean well (laughs) yeah the intention yeah intended to hurt you yeah you did hurt me though so yeah yeah what's the 
have another analogy for you. One yeah. of my, um, I'm, I love analogies. You ask any of my clients. I'm I very live visual with them. person. Um, my, uh, one of the reasons I guess I left my own church was because I put a boundary up with somebody who was very, I guess, like important to the church. And essentially I was like, I don't want to be friends with this person anymore. I don't want to have a relationship with this person um it's not healthy for me and that was it and I didn't communicate it like that because I didn't have any sort of skills um yeah Yeah. (laughs) essentially I just um yeah cut this person off and my pastor really sat me down a bunch of times and she sat me down one time in particular was like you're I just need you to understand that what you're doing is um really hurtful and it's not okay and you need to forgive and you and I'm it was just this whole like I'm in the wrong thing from not being friends with somebody who was not healthy for me and um yeah the like when I went back over it in my head I was like right but she doesn't treat me well why why do I have to continue? Oh, because God, Jesus forgave everybody. He forgave everyone. God yeah. forgave everybody. So you can too, no matter what they do. And I'm like, I, but who said I didn't forgive her? Like who? Yeah. I didn't say that. Did I yeah. say that? No, I just don't want to speak to this person. I don't want to spend time with them. I don't want to hang out with them. Don't yeah. I get to choose who my friends are? And yeah, I guess the way that I thought about it more is that like, if you ran over my leg with your car because you don't look where you're where you're going when you pull into the driveway or whatever, that would be like telling me that I wasn't allowed to move myself out of the way when you're driving the car. Yeah. You have to say, but she broke my leg last time. Yeah. But she might not this not time. Next time, yeah. Same spot. I'm like, no, uh, she's really bad driver I'm standing mm-hmm. well 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 away because I don't trust her yeah. and that's just not good enough you just it's like well so I just have to lay myself at her mercy for the rest of my life that yeah. doesn't make any sense it's so harmful yeah absolutely and that level of like I mean it's it's victim blaming that's essentially what it is it's just blaming the victim mm-hmm. and um, good old fashioned spiritual bypassing of like, like, let's not have the hard discussions. Let's just, you know, your unforgiveness, as you were talking about what your pastor was saying, uh, all I was thinking was, I'm expecting you to say something like, um, that what you're doing is grieving the heart of God and that sort of language, because we often will get put on us that what you're doing is, is hurting God. Do you want to hurt God? And well, it's, it's like, well, are you or are you not backing me into a corner where I either look like a person who can just be walked over and people can just treat me however they like or a God-hurting person? <laughs> like, Yeah, well, it wasn't really, it was less about me hurting God but about me not listening to God. Because she said God had told her that I wasn't allowed to stop being friends with this person. (laughs) And then I said, that's really interesting. 
um, God hasn't told me that. And she said, okay, well, why don't you just go and pray about it for a week? This is on a Sunday. And I said, all right, I totally will. Like as if I hadn't been praying about it for like eight months. Cause Uh, yeah closest friendship exactly Um, yeah like great idea I'll try that for the first time ever um yeah I went the the not so subtle underlying message there is just as bad as what's coming out of the mouth (laughs) like so I prayed about it well I didn't really pray about because I previous ones they still count so next week she was like she was like so what did God tell you and I was like yeah I'm just not getting the same thing but like I think I'm good. Like God's good with me. We think we're good. And she was like, oh, really? (laughs) Well, what I think sometimes we can think we're hearing from God, but we're actually just hearing what we want God to tell us. Oh, good old-fashioned gaslighting. Yay. (laughs) We should have a little bingo card. I Um, know. (laughs) So then she goes, all right, so what? the way you can find out if you're really hearing from God is to get confirmation from somebody else. So go ask someone like a spiritual leader to ask God the same thing and see what they hear from God. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, and I think it should be this person who yeah. was like number one puppet on a string to the pastor. So I was like, uh, okay. I mean, I feel like the God's already pre-programmed her, if you know what I mean. So I was like, all right, oh, yeah, cool. I'll definitely ask somebody um, to pray about it and get another opinion. Cool. And so I go away that week and I ask um, one of my closest, like, oldest, older female friends, like, she's, like, a big sister to me. I asked another friend who was, like, my young adults leader from a few years ago. And then I asked another pastor who actually has a very close relationship with my pastors. So I kind of knew it would be valid, um, their opinion. So I asked all three of them and all three of them were pretty much like, we don't even need to pray for you. That's psycho. Like as if you are, oh yeah, that's the thing. That's what she was saying. God told her I was unkind because I wasn't being this person's friend. And so I was like, okay, just can you pray about this? Do you think I'm being unkind? by not being friends with this person. And they all came back to me and they were like, absolutely not. You're one of the most, you're one of the kindest people we know. That's ridiculous. And God's not telling us that. And so I was like, thank you. Three for three. Um, I go back to, to church the next Sunday and I'm there early because obviously I serve on production and <laughs> she comes up to me 8 a.m. First thing she does, walks into the door, straight to the sound desk. So Fiona, did you ask this person? to pray for you and I'm like um no but I did ask three people that I really trust and uh like hear from God too so and she's like okay great and what did they say I was like they yeah they don't they're not getting what you're getting and she was like oh that's that is so great that you went and did that like that's why you're so great because you really followed through with the whole process that's amazing and then she didn't even like say have a great day or whatever she literally just turned on the spot and walked away I was like oh I guess we're done here then (laughs) oh my gosh yeah so that was only 
part of the hoops that I had to jump through. But um, yeah, I, I tried like, to. You do were everything. really jumping through those hoops. <laughs> I really wanted to make sure that I wasn't in the wrong. Yeah, like, I really wanted to do the right thing, and I really wanted to be able to have healthy relationships and be able to yeah have boundaries. Like, if this is not a church where I can have healthy boundaries for myself, mm. what am I doing here? And and I think one of the biggest things that I like I I hear in that is just the insane notion to keep instilling in people to not trust your own gut instinct. Oh, like you you're simple though. Why would like, you why would your gut ever tell you the right thing? I know. And it's just, you know, it is it repeatedly gets brought up and it's why so many people when they leave the church or deconstruct their faith is that inability to trust yourself to even there's no internal compass because your compass was external and so like it is it just makes it so difficult for people to to have healthy boundaries like you said but also a healthy relationship with your own internal compass 100% I think and that's one of those things that you grow up thinking is normal too like yeah. not because you're so like taught to almost like disassociate from yourself like my I mean, uh, how many times makes, did you hear die to self literally die 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 yeah um, and one of the one of the things that woke me up a bit was um I was asking this other pastor who doesn't who wasn't part of my church I was like well what, what, what am I meant to do with my life? Like, what do I do? I don't think I was like, I, I don't want to be a pastor. And he looked at me and he was like, yeah, you're not a pastor. Like go do something else. I was like, am I allowed to like, what, like, am I allowed to have wants? Like, am I allowed to like have a career and go after things that I want and not just devote my whole life to the church? Is that all right? I thought I had to die to myself and all my desires so that I could live for God. And Mm -hmm. he was like, die like <laughs> he was like why would you want to die yeah. live? like he was like why would you want to kill yourself like yeah quote unquote spiritually like you're meant to you have a personality and you have an identity and you were created and there's only one of you why mm. are you trying to kill that like yeah. I was like you are the why are you why are you the first pastor to tell yeah. me yeah go to your church yeah yeah I, I mean, that's that's a minority sort of notion, really. Like, uh, it, he's very, very much, healthy. He's a very healthy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, um, I like my church was very much like we couldn't even sing a worship song if it was more centered about us. Like, my church was like that too. I mean, it? like. Uh, fat chance getting us to sing Hillsong music like it was never <laughs> ever going to happen because it was too me centered it's not yeah. about worship is not about you no. worship is about God nothing is ever about you no. um, and so it just makes that self-trust that in- intuition that gut mm. instinct um I, I don't develop it not at all I remember yeah. when I first left and it was like 
it was like the first time that I went to the gym and the next day my body was just in pure agony you know it was like I had never used this muscle of self sort of determination before like every thought I needed to get approval for like every want like should I do this should I go there like um it all had to I had to check and I wasn't even conscious that I was doing it because it was so like preached that you know we're all here together in community you want to be under my spiritual covering you know authority and whatever that like I've I've just didn't think I could make a decision at all and I remember on multiple occasions talking to people that I trusted and being like, I feel, you know, just like, cause everyone around me is like getting married at freaking 19 um, mm-hmm. and uh, having kids and moving on and whatnot. And I'm just felt, I guess, kind of stuck and mm-hmm. also didn't feel like I was hearing anything from God about like what I was meant to do. And so I was like, I feel like my life is a blank page and there's nothing written on it and I don't know how to get anything on the page because what if it's the wrong thing? Like there's no, it's permanent ink. You can't rub it out. There's no white paper. Yep. And i just being too afraid to mm. even be able to make a decision for myself. Yep. It's so sad. And people it's, think, yeah. when I tell people sometimes my story, like, yeah, I don't have that much like physical abuse or anything, but when you take away somebody's ability to make their own decisions for themselves, like I'm never going to get my twenties back. Yeah. Ever. And that sucks. (laughs) Absolutely. And and that's why I guess they, they don't think that they're doing anything harmful either, but they don't know the cost Mm -hmm. of these like little, Oh yeah. We just, we just want to look out for you. That's why we say, come under our spiritual covering or whatever that's why we, we just want the best for you yeah. no you don't <laughs> no you don't I mean it's funny because we like people would never dismiss um an emotionally abusive relationship or coercive control or manipulation or um anything like that yeah. but that's exactly what it is 100 you know it is um indoctrination is a form of control um and particularly when it's children who don't have the ability yet up until a point to think critically about Mm -hmm. things and then once they reach that age to be able to think critically you are not advised and you are not encouraged to think critically um that's taken away from you so, you know, by the time you reach that point, it's it's often it's too far gone because, you know, it's so instilled in you. Why would you think critically? Why would you think that anything was other than what it was? Yeah. It's um, just... the, I don't, I forget whose book it is or which, <laughs> um, who to reference here, but um, there's that like, cult I think there's a cult book or something and it's like um one of the key things is like thought stopping techniques yeah and it is it's like you just just don't think about it like just give it to God what does that mean 
Like, what? Like, can you yeah. elaborate? Like, no, you're not meant to elaborate. It's meant to no. stop there. That's the solution. Don't yeah. think too hard. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, just such a shame because there's so much of people's lives being wasted. Yeah, absolutely. Um, was that situation that you described with the um, the pastor and the jumping through hoops and that whole palaver, was that sort of like the beginning of that process of leaving for you? That was like the end. Oh, was that the end? That was the <laughs> pinnacle. That was the cherry on top. Yeah. No, prior to that, I had been on, I had like a mediation session, like oh, yikes, yeah. counseling with this friend and like a non-qualified counselor. Oh yeah. We that, love that as a therapist. Love we love therapy. Christian counselors. Yeah. Never yeah. practice. Pastoral yeah. counseling. Literally. Ooh, Not um, actually counseling just for the record. <laughs> No, it's just triangulation. Um, (laughs) And, yeah, so I did that. I sat down with both of my pastors separately at a meeting that I instigated, set up, Mm. so that I could talk to them about my church experience and there was just more gaslighting. I got dropped by my pastor at the beginning of the year that I had after. I left in about towards the end of the year, Um. But at the beginning of the year, my pastor just stopped pastoring me. And she was like, she, I was closer to her than I was to my own mother. Mm. And um, she was like my spiritual mom. And I definitely put her on that pedestal. Yeah. And um, essentially at the beginning of the year, I, she just stopped pastoring me. Like, didn't tell me why, didn't communicate. Oh, hey, I don't think it's appropriate for me to pastor you anymore just stop checking in, just stop seeing, would walk past me on a Sunday and say hi and like, hey, how are you? Kind of like casual chit chat. But that relationship was no longer. And when I expressed that to her, when when I was deciding to leave, when I'd sat down with both my pastors, their husband-wife couple, um, I said, you know, I just can't understand why you all of a sudden stopped pastoring me and you didn't tell me. I had to find out through somebody else, I thought you just didn't know about what was going on with me because I had such a horrible year emotionally. Um, I was like, I thought you just were unaware because I had never gone into detail to explain it to her. And one of my friends who was another leader at the time was like, yeah, sorry, Fiona, she definitely knows and she's chosen somebody else to look after you spiritually. And it was like I had been outsourced like a task on her list yeah there was no like oh yeah I think I I think this person's gonna look after you now or whatever it was just like yeah she knows everything like other people have told her what's happened and she's decided it's inappropriate for her to be my pastor and didn't bother to let me know (laughs) my gosh yeah I mean regardless of like aside from not regardless aside from the you know complete just treating you like a number essentially just yeah like aside from that the the grief over that relationship would have just been heartbreaking yeah I would say that the realization of that what I thought was like almost a mother-daughter relationship 
realizing that I was just essentially mm-hmm. being used for her own, uh, I guess my usefulness had run out. Um, that realization I think was the thing that broke the shelf for me. Yeah. 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 There's um, it sort of, re- it reminds me of, I am um, going to look it up because otherwise I will get it wrong. Um, there was a quote that I shared and I remember just thinking that it was just like, it just summed up what so many people experience coming out. And it was like, to be your real self is hard when you still sometimes grieve that the people you loved really just wanted you to be someone else. Yeah. And it just reeks of that. Um, I just want you to fit a box. I don't want to have these conversations with you because they make me uncomfortable. This is not something I can handle. And so I just want to squash you back into the box that you were already in Mm. um, and keep you there because that's easier for me. And it is purely just about keeping you in that cookie cutter mold because if you look good, then they look good because they're the ones who are spiritually guiding you. A hundred percent. And yeah, I, and I was the most agreeable, like little church girl, aren't we all? Um, (laughs) And in my family too, like um, with my mom, we're raised to like not talk back, Mm. like, my mum is from another culture to uh, like a Islander culture. So it's very much like respect your elders, yep. very Christian and very um, don't talk back. Mm. Don't step out of line. You'll get smacked hundred percent. And so I really knew how to put on like being good. And I was very good at being good. Yeah. And then as soon as you question something, it's like, yes. well, you're bad. Well, no, yeah. I'm not bad. I'm just, it's just a question. And if it yeah. makes you uncomfortable, should we not even more ask the question then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I noticed in the little bio thing that you wrote uh, when you booked that you left during COVID. Yeah. yeah That's yeah. recent. So this yeah. is all very fresh for you pretty recent yeah 2020 I feel like a lot of people did I think COVID was a reset for a lot of people yeah COVID did a lot of different things yeah yeah it it was working over time um yeah yeah, no I think being locked down in my house for six weeks was so nice Mm. so great to wake up on a Sunday morning and know I didn't have to be anywhere I didn't have to be around the people that were telling me that I didn't pray enough and that I didn't read my bible enough and that the reason my relationships were bad because I wasn't spiritual enough and I wasn't giving it to God enough like and that wouldn't talk to me unless I was on a roster that they needed to be filled um uh, and these are all people that I formerly thought were my family. Mm. So, and to go from that to literally the opposite was such a, um, like, um, like 
what's the word for like turmoil? I feel like that's the only word I can <laughs> think yeah. of. Like, yeah. Um, just em- emotionally tumultuous. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that. It was just the worst. Like from Monday to Sunday, I would just, from Monday to Saturday, I would just be dreading more and more Mm. Sunday. And I would still go because I knew if I didn't, I would be seen as the bad guy. And it's like, no, I'm doing everything right, Mm. but I am the one with the most emotional cost here and it's the most uncomfortable for me and nobody gives a shit at all. Sorry. No, you can say whatever you like. (laughs) (laughs) I just chuck a nice little explicit warning on it. Um, I mean, you just learn how to be in that environment like you just learn how to manage it it it's like a job almost you just learn how to navigate it worse because at least you get paid yeah exactly and most of the time at least you've chosen that like you've got no fault of your own and you have unions and stuff yeah exactly (laughs) whereas you know I remember like if you chose not to go to church on Sunday man, you better have a good excuse. Like, you know, and I would, I remember sometimes spending the whole week coming up with this elaborate scenario, putting like droplets of like hints here and there throughout the week so that I could not go on Sunday. Like, and I had this perfectly reasonable and adequate excuse to not go. That's really interesting because you said you weren't raised no. with a church-going family. So no. who are these excuses to? Yeah, I Other know. people at church? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not even your parents. Like for no. me, it would be like me trying to convince my parents. Yeah, but- no. It wasn't no. It wasn't my family. It was other like friends and other people at church. Um, and, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I tended to fall into that. Um, I, I would des- would have described myself as a very black and white Christian. It was, I was an all in, like all or nothing, everything all at once. And it was like all consuming. And, um, and so even though I wasn't raised in it, (laughs) I went hard. (laughs) Um, like I will often say when I'm sort of sharing my story that I only did three years at a Catholic school and I did year four, five and six in, um, at a Catholic school. And, I, in year six, you know how they do like those voting things for like yearbooks and things like that, like most likely to be such and such. Um, I was voted by my peers as most likely to become the first female pope. Um, (laughs) That's hilarious. Probably tells you a little something about my 11-year-old self. (laughs) Um, And so it's um yeah you don't need to be raised in it but I can just imagine like gosh if I had been raised in it it would have been a disaster um but how you know how did it impact your relationship with your family leaving church um pretty the ironic thing is that all of my relationships except for one with every member of my family 
has gotten better since I've left church. Yep. Okay. Which is just like amazing. And the only person that it hasn't really gotten better with is a a sibling who is still in the church. Right. The rest of my family. um, So yeah, I'm one of five. So my mom never really attended the church with us because um, she got offended or whatever, had had a problem um, (laughs) with them, but I didn't. And I had been going to youth, Mm. like that youth group as a teenager. So when I turned 18, I was like, I want to go to this church by myself. I'm 18. I can do what I want. I stopped going to church with my family, started going there. Then eventually my brother started coming along as well. Then my other brother and then my sister for a little bit. But then my sister was like, this is not for me. She was the youngest. She was like, I'm out. Good for her. I wish I had a brain like that. Um, (laughs) And then my other two brothers, they stayed and my dad stayed, came along as well. So just my two brothers and my dad. And And then when I left, my dad kind of was like, yeah, it's not really my thing. I don't really like the way they treated you. I was like, yeah. thanks for the solidarity. And he stopped kind of yep. after a while. Um, much convincing. And then my other brother, he was like, yeah, these people don't really care about me. I'm out of here. Um, but then, so I've just got like, yeah, one brother who's very, I think he's just a kind person and a very nice person. And he is probably going uh has the same mindset that I would have had in the way of I don't want to do the wrong thing and the wrong thing is to leave so um yeah it's been a bit weird because all of my other relationships have gotten so much better with every other member of my family but I'm like I just there's not that ability to be fully open and communicative, I guess, with that relationship, which is a bit sad. But um, yeah, everyone else is really supportive and like, thankfully. So because when I first left, I remember feeling so alone. Mm. Um, and like my whole because I wasn't close with my family. Yeah. Like my whole support system. You were my whole world, and now you're gone. And yeah. especially when you were saying earlier about um uh trusting your gut and be having that relationship with your like intuition I because I didn't even have that I was like I literally have nothing not even my own self I don't have anyone that I can fully and I remember crying non-stop crying in front of this poor like GP and she's like I think she was like some Russian lady who's like why are you crying? <laughs> Stop crying. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, I need daddy to oh. help me. Um, yeah, so thank thank goodness for actually the mental health care system in this yeah. because I would not mm. have had anything for real if I didn't have the ability to go to a GP yeah. and to then go see a psychologist. Yeah. Psychiatrist. Yeah. I think it is, I think it's easy for people to think 
that it's just leaving church and it's as simple as that. And it, you know, it's no different to quitting a job and going on to the next one or, and it's so much more than that. It's so much more like there's so much grief. There's so much, I think, um, I don't actually remember who says it, um, but there's someone who wrote, um, one of the many books about religious trauma. I think it might've been, I'm going to not speculate. Anyway, somebody very wise <laughs> said that it is, um, it, it describes it as a shattering of the self. And mm-hmm. I think it is just it, like it's such powerful imagery. Like if you think of a piece of glass just like shattering, it is, it doesn't just impact the glass, it impacts everything else around the glass. And so it is, I think it's just really incredible imagery to try and explain to someone what it is like to leave because you're not leaving a building. Like that, like it's just a, like church is often just, it's not a building. It is so much more than a building. We're family here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Family who gaslight and manipulate, but family nonetheless. Um, And so, you know, you're not leaving a building. It's not like moving house. You, it's for a lot of people. Yeah. It's your whole world. It's the core. It was your core belief system. It was your value system. It dictated every single other facet of your life. And so to actively remove yourself from that or to be kicked out, in my case, um, that's fun. Um, what else have you got? It, it is really easy to, to sit in that space and it, it is a little bit like despair almost, like what am I supposed to do? But I also think going back to what you said earlier that it is only this like life shattering self shattering experience when you are the hardcore yeah up for it person and yep. the ironic thing is that when you have this earth shattering experience mm-hmm. uh then the people who are left at church then they're like well i guess she must have not been that committed <laughs> She just didn't want to give it to God. Maybe, you know, she wasn't really a Christian, you know. Yeah. Oh, I, as you started to say the sentence, exactly I knew exactly what, what you were going to say. And my, it's like my blood started boiling as you said it. Um, and there was a, um, I don't know whether you know it, but it was a, do you know the Barlow Girls? They were like a Christian, Christian like girl group. Yeah. And they had this song called She Walked Away. And (laughs) and I remember it so vividly being like the song that like people would send to me and they would be going, why are you walking away? Like, you know, and it was that I was actively making this choice. I left church twice. I had like. I yeah. had this like um so much fun you did it twice. Yeah, I know. Why <laughs> not? Um, you would have thought that I would have been better at it the second time. Um, mm-hmm. 
I, I had to just experience actively leaving and then being kicked out. So I, I was like, I just need, I'm a therapist. I need to know both sides of the story. Um, but you know, that it's, it, even when you leave, it is still like put on you, like you're walking away. Mm-hmm. It's like, we, we never did anything. We only loved you and wanted the best for you. And I, I don't know if you saw this on one of my videos on social media or not, but um, I literally had that con- that that face-to-face conversation oh, yes. with an elder um, at my brother's wedding. After oh, I had yikes. Yeah. Um, so he came up to me and he was like, so I heard you left the church. You know, I was like, you, you heard right, I guess. Um, Gosh, some, coming in automatically with such hostility. Just diving in. But he didn't come in like that. He was like, hey, how's it going? We love you. So I heard yeah. you the church, you know. He niced it up a bit. Yeah, okay. Um, but, you know, like I wasn't close with this man um, because he was a, ma- a married man, obviously. So what would we ever have mm-hmm. to talk about? One no. Ne- nothing. So, um, yeah, he just came up, started talking. He's like, I heard you left to go to that church in Sydney because um, I live about an hour out of Sydney. So he's like, I heard you left to go to that church in Sydney. They're a really great church, hey. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, really, really enjoying it, loving it. He's like, but you can't really, like, be a part of that community because it's really far. I'm like, oh, well, I mean, guess not then. And he's like, yeah, like, are you really going to be involved? Like, how are you going to be a part of that church family kind of thing? And I was like, I was full on disassociating at my brother's wedding, just like staring off into space, going into like for, fro, freeze form. Freeze mode. mode, yeah. Yeah, just like uh, uh-huh, smiling. And, um, and then he's like, yeah, so, well, the thing is, Fiona, that God gives us challenges and, every, and it's our opportunity. He gives us these opportunities to like go to the next level. And we can either take them or we can run from them. And I'm just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And he's like, yeah. So, like, what the thing that you, to grow, it makes us better people, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, uh-huh. but um, the, the thing is, Fiona, like, God will give you another opportunity. It's fine. We love you. I was just like. <gasps> like full on. Why am I not wearing running shoes right now? Literally, I was like, "You, you, my brother's wedding. This is the moment you chose." Like, oh my uh, God. I mean, that in itself is is the passive aggressive undertone of that is just the entitlement of like, yeah, yeah I can say whatever I want at this family event. Like, yeah. who gives a shit? Um, and then I literally. I cr- tried to keep it together, but I ended up going out to my car and having to cry yeah. um, because I, yeah, just like pretty much had a panic attack. I felt like yeah. it, like everyone from my church was, my old church at this point was there and I couldn't walk to the bar without somebody being there. I couldn't walk to the dance floor without somebody being there. I couldn't walk to the toilet. I had to like stay in my seat for the whole reception when everyone had like walked off and and I was just like trying to find space where I wouldn't yeah. run into anybody and I would protect myself, be able to protect myself. Yeah. Um, and then the next day I cried the whole way driving to my day job on a Monday. And then 
I had to leave work early because I couldn't stop crying at work. My boss was like, are you? And I was like, I have to go home, I think. She was like, I think you should too because you've been crying for two hours. <laughs> oh. Yeah. oh, my gosh. I mean, and we laugh because if we don't laugh, <laughs> we cry, <laughs> essentially. That's yeah. essentially what's happening in this conversation. Um, but it is, I mean, it's just like, I mean, sometimes all I've got is it's just a lot. Like, so you know, of all of my therapy years and experience and knowledge, sometimes it is just a lot and it's just a little too much. Um, but, I mean, that situation would have been so overwhelming. Like, Especially for somebody who didn't have any relational tools emotional like nothing I feel like I've learned so much in the past three years about just what Mm. healthy relationships look like and I wasn't getting that at church at all because it didn't matter what healthy relationships look like it only mattered if you were agreeable if Mm. you said yes and if you were happy yeah if you were unhappy it's because you had undealt with stuff you had unforgiveness your your fault or you had a hardened heart or something. Oh, God couldn't yeah. do a work in you because you were resisting his yeah. spirit or whatever. Yeah. It's always, yeah, something to make it your fault and not just, hey, this relationship dynamic is not healthy. Or, yeah. hey, I didn't like the way you spoke to me. That's why I feel upset. <laughs> Who knew that that was just a valid reason for being upset? Yeah. Um. But it isn't when you're in a high control uh, religion. Yeah, absolutely. What does your sense of spirituality look like now? Oh, that's a good question. I, it looks like a big question mark. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> and I think my journey, I guess, has to has been to give myself the permission to be okay with it looking like a question mark because I used to be so this is what everything looks like. These are the boxes that I've ticked and that's how I know that I'm good, I guess. And so now the initial reaction when I left was like, I need to figure it out now. I need to figure out what I, what I want, what I believe, what, what is true, what's not true. Like untangle the indoctrination from even just, a biblical Christianity like yeah that was very muddled for me um and I dove right into that but I guess in learning all of that I learned that there was so much mystery so much unknown so much that can't be verified Mm. and that was kind of really comforting Mm. because it was like you don't have to commit to anything the way you committed to that thing that hurt you so bad anymore. Yep. You can have a big question mark over mm. spirituality, Christianity, God, the Bible, and it's okay. Mm. God's not flipping out in mm-hmm. heaven because yeah. you have a question. He probably prefers that I have a question than I just listen to every, another human being who yeah. like, has nobody's allowed to say no to. (laughs) Um, So, so yeah, I think for me, I'm cool with like God and 
the idea of like God being the thing that created the world and God being like the source of love. I think I'm cool with that. Mm. But and I'm I'm very skeptical about like the Bible. Mm. Not in the sense that it can be a tool used to help people. Yeah. You know, that that has wisdom in it, you know, proverbs and stuff like that, or even just any story like mm as an allegory um or even some literal stuff is like you know good like don't murder people whatever um <laughs> you know like yep. do not I'm murder not, like, I'm not like throw I'm not like rushing to throw out the bible yeah but I'm definitely not like reading the bible every day for my spiritual well-being because mm-hmm. it's like okay we just need to take it it's okay to take it with a grain of salt mm. it's okay for the Bible, Adam and Eve to just be a story. It's okay yeah. for Noah's Ark to just be a story. Like, yeah, you, the world's not going to collapse. Jesus is not going to smite you mm. if you just want to love your neighbor. That's yeah. okay. Yeah, and so that's that's where I'm at. Yeah, I love that. I think um, I I tend to agree in that. I actually love your Instagram name. <laughs> If you have no idea what we're talking about, Fiona's Instagram is fabulous um, and very funny and very witty um, and it is just curious and and I love that because I think what I have gotten throughout sort of the process of leaving faith, leaving church, leaving that environment is a sense of curiosity about the world and about people and about me and to just be okay with being curious about mm. the world. Um, and so I think that's what you get stripped away from you because obviously God forbid you think and ask a question and speak. Um, it is just that gets you know stripped away and so I think you know even just to be able to say I don't know to something is powerful in itself when you are taught to always have an answer for your faith to always be able to defend the gospel um and so to be able to just say I don't know biggest green flag yeah absolutely I will never, um, ever trust anyone that says, that believes that they have all the answers. Yeah. Yeah. I I often will say I'm not anti-God. I'm not pro-God. I'm somewhere in the middle. But what I am anti is organized religion and fundamentalism because that's where the harm is done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I, yeah, I just think, I mean, I'm just loving hearing where people sense of spirituality has taken them because everyone lands in a really different space and I think that that's the beauty of you know that comes out of um I hate you know that sort of everything has a silver lining crap um (laughs) me too that's overrated I mean it's rubbish and it just bypasses the hard conversations but it doesn't mean that we can't get beauty out of something that was incredibly painful um or traumatic 
Um, I am ending all of these um, episodes by asking you, what would you say to somebody who has just made the decision to leave or is in the depths of that pain and grief? What would you say to them? I would say it. this is probably the worst you've ever felt right now, but in a little while, it's going to be the best you've ever felt. Mm. Like life is so good. It's so good. It's so much better than my, yeah, my life has changed so much for the better. The every like day living experience, like it's like, I don't have this sense of dread anymore. I have the freedom. I have the ability to make my own decisions. I have like personal autonomy. I I get to decide what I like and dislike. I can enjoy like flipping watching all the Twilight movies in one day if I want to. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. no more guilt. I yeah. don't have any guilt anymore. I don't have any shame. I can just, I like myself. Mm. being able to like myself is so nice Mm. so if that's you like and you are experiencing anything like what I experienced it's gonna get so much better write it out get the right people around you it I'm very excited for you even though you're probably crying (laughs) but just know that we are metaphorically crying with you because we have we have shed those tears sometimes I still shed those tears because you know yes it gets better but it you know that pain doesn't magically disappear it doesn't just go away um and so we are there with you in um in spirit Um, you did not want to say spirit we are with you in podcast oh sorry what did you say I said, we are with you in podcast. Yes. Yes. Um, Amazing. I love that. It gets better. I think that's a beautiful way to end it. Thank you. Thank you. It's been great. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Surface. Until next time, take care, stay true to who you are, and remember, your voice and your story matters always.